welcome everybody. Um, we're going to call this this edition of, of what we're going to be doing here for on the four check is our, our preds one timers. Um, we're going to aim to have these be a little bit more informal um, as far as maybe breaking news, um, post game analysis when we get into the season, um, and, and discussion of, of news that have, that's happened in, within the day. And so today we've got several topics to talk about. Um, of course, we'll we'll talk about Monday night and Roman Yossi winning the 2019-2020 Norris Trophy over John Carlson and Victor Hedman. We'll talk about the big signing today by the National Predators of forward Yakov Trenin, a restricted free agent for two years. And we'll go over the uh, awards that we issued over at, over the, on the forecheck uh, and maybe get to a, a few questions from you guys. So I'd like to start by saying welcome to my two fellow writers at On the Forecheck, uh, Sean Smith and Nick Morgan. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. It's a fantastic night. Yeah. So um, yeah, Monday night. Let's start with let's start with the the awards. So what a great night. It was pretty good. We were all on, on pins and needles because I was convinced that they were going to go with – voters were going to go with the point total. Um, even oh, though I it think was, everybody was. Yeah. So it was, it was a pleasant surprise, and, and it was good to see that the um, – you know, it really wasn't – the voting wasn't all that close, to be honest. Um, I think Roman Yossi actually doubled up on uh, Carlson in first-place votes. Um, and so, you know, it was it was good to see – uh, him get recognized for a season that really we hadn't seen from from Yossi in probably two or three years, and and you know we always talked about how great his offense has been, but his defense ability just grew by by leaps and bounds this season. Um, did you guys you know notice anything different about that, or do you think that you know was there anything that you guys had in mind when it came into the awards? In terms of Yossi's season, no, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think this was his best defensive season uh, probably since he's played with Shea Weber. Um, and, you know, that's that's not a knock on him the past two years. He's just played a very different game alongside Ryan Ellis than he did with Shea Weber. So, you know, uh, he played more well-rounded this year. Um you know, I don't know if that was a change in strategy or what, but I mean, you could tell that he looked a little more responsible in his own end of the ice. And we've quite frankly been used to seeing for the past couple of years. Sean, what did you think? about? Well, one of the things for me and one of the things that uh, Yossi mentioned during some of the media availability after his win was consistency. And if I look back on especially the years after the cup run, you're looking at one season where he lost his defensive partner for about half the season. And then another season, which was this season, where he lost his defensive partner for uh, about a, a third of the season. And, you know, when I had the opportunity to ask him about that, I think one of the things he said was that he, he really felt like his other partners that he played with in Ellis's absence really stepped up and really re- and elevated their game. He pointed specifically to Yannick Weber, whom I, I think we, you know, tend to use as a punching bag sometimes. But I, I did notice in, in Yannick's defense that when he was partnered with Yossi, you know, you, you have the potential when you're shifting your pairings around like that, moving someone who's typically a third pairing defender up to the first pairing, 
you're kind of running into a situation where you could have, unfortunately, you could have the, uh, the first pairing defender kind of play down. But I think what we saw was that Yossi's game really seemed to elevate everyone else's game that played with him, including uh, Fabro and Hamuse when they were partnered with him in Ellis's absence as well. Yeah, and to Sean's point there, I think uh, the best game I saw Yannick Weber play this year was the um, the Chicago game in January, the one where we only remember it for Pecorino's goal now. Uh, sorry, Colin Blackwell. No one cares about your first career goal. Hey, some uh, of us do. It was, it was a fun night, I'm sure, for Colin. Of for course. All, for all 20 minutes, he had the spotlight. Um, but no, uh, that was the best game Yannick Weber played. And that was when he was with Roman Yossi. Um, y- you know, he, you're going to get what you're going to get out of Yannick Weber. But he really disrupted the play. He was blocking shots. Um, you know, and, and to Sean's point, I think a lot of that is Yossi. Um, whoever he was playing with, I know um, when injuries were happening, I, I know he was with um, – Dante Fabro a little bit. Um, I think Dan Hamhuis jumped up in that spot for a couple games. Um, it, it just seemed like everybody played their best when they were with them. And I, I think that's something, you know, going back to the Norris votes, you know, you want it to go to somebody who is valuable to the team, not necessarily who had the best year and the best stats, and that was our biggest argument for Roman Yossi, whereas, you know, John Carlson had an unbelievable year. I think if uh, if the stoppage hadn't happened, he would have been the first player or first defenseman since, what, 90, 92, 93 to hit 90 points. Um, but But you take him out of the Capitals lineup, and the Capitals are still going to be a good team. You take Roman Yossi out of the lineup this year, and you're looking at disaster for the Preds. And I think that showed up in a lot of the games this year, where just Roman Yossi made everybody around him better. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I think even looking at stats, I think really the only thing that that Carlson had over Yossi was just points. And it was only, um, you know, only about a 10-point uh, difference in that he Roman Yossi had more goals uh, than, than Carlson at Hedman. Um, his defensive metrics were all much, much better. Um, it, we could, you know, that's it was head and shoulders. I mean, Carlson was almost they, you know, the defense for Washington was actually a little bit below average um, when he was on the ice. They were actually better defensively when he wasn't there. Not to take any way, anything away from the season that he had, but I think. Roman Yossi kind of hit his stride this season and, you know, for his career by really elevating um, his his offensive game, you know, not to mention, um, you know, defensively what he was able to do. And yeah, he's, you know, he had about, um, I'd say a little bit over half the season or so um, with, with Ellis, but I think honestly, the time that he had with with Weber, with um, Ham Hughes, uh, with Fabro, I think that also had him um, stepping up a little bit, staying back, not maybe being quite as aggressive um, offensively to be able to kind of cover for for those teammates. And so, um, I really do think that 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 might have you know been part of it. But he was he was defensively on a tear um, uh, coming in before the the Winter Classic when Ryan Ellis was um, was injured. Yeah, and. 
looking this up, you know, looking at um, some of the advanced metrics um, from, from HockeyViz.com, um, this season was actually his best offensive season. Um, looking at about a plus 11, he was 11% better than, um, than league average as far as, as creating um, offensive threat. And his second best defensive season since I think his third year. And I believe that would have been when he was with, with, with Shea Weber, but, you know, putting those two together, I mean, it was, it wasn't even close looking at the two other finalists and, you know, thankfully uh, this was a regular season award that they voted on after the, you know, after they stopped play before the playoffs, because if you look at the playoffs that Victor Hedman's having, uh, I mean, <laughs> he's, I, oh, I can't, sure. I don't see, I don't see Conn Smythe going to anybody other than than Hedman unless Dallas pulls off a, a huge comeback led by probably who could open. I mean, the only person I could think of. But um, so Haskinen's probably got a case there too, right? And you know, the other thing to to talk about this is there there were people that you know guys who didn't finish. Um, as finalists that, that, you know, could have been close. I think um, I had talked about early a um, few months ago, back when we voted on um, our, the NHL awards, just as a website. Uh, one of the things that I had my, my first place vote, knowing that everybody else was going to vote for Yossi um, was, was the season that Dougie Hamilton was having before his injury, because he was, he was on pace to be, to do better than, than all three of the finalists um, had he not, not been injured and out for about, 20 less games than everybody else. Um, Petrangelo of St. Louis, I think, had a pretty good case as well. I mean, was there anybody else that you guys thought that, you know, had a really strong season that maybe just didn't get the point totals to to get recognized for this? Not really. I think we kind of named everybody. I, I, I would like to say that if Ellis had been healthy for the full season, that he also had an incredible season. Um, and that might have been, you know, two guys from the same team may have caused some issues in voting for both of them. So I guess it's maybe yeah. a blessing in disguise that he, he wasn't uh, in consideration for it. That So it was interesting you said that because I was about to ask a hot take question to end this discussion. Do you think Roman Yossi would have gotten the same love for voters had Ryan Ellis played this entire season? Um, I think so. I think... Um, you know, the season Ellis had was, was spectacular, not quite as good as his, as a season. Well, actually I'd say well, probably about on the level as, as last season, but I mean, he was having, he had a career year this year as well. I mean, uh, just by, by any metrics you look at, even, you know, looking at advanced metrics, I mean, Ryan Ellis is grades out, um, you know, goals above replacement as, as the best defenseman in the league. And it's not the first year that it's, it's been that way. And, you know, try as I might, I, I, you know, to understand all the individual components, but it still surprises me every year to see Ellis uh, rank so high, you know, and it's, I think it, it's a testament to he, he's always been kind of stronger defensively than Yossi up until this, this season. And I think, you know, again, playing he missed what 27 games um he you know i think he did lose out and, and we might have seen a sit of uh, the splitting of the votes but i think what yossi did and i think just voters watching him skate and watching him play i think you know he was kind of first on their mind for a, for a long time i think maybe in the future now going forward um that might help out ellis if if he can continue on the pace that he is just because they'd be like well you know yossi won it but well, um, well, the, we'll devil's, 
the devil's advocate to that was that back, remember back in December and January, or actually mostly December, this was before Ellis got hurt. You know, Roman Yossi was having a fantastic year up there with Carlson. Um, but, we, you know, when you listen to like Greg Wasinski and, you know, some of these other writers around, they weren't giving Yossi a lot of the credit, you know. Um, I think even um, it was, I think it was Ryan Lambert on the podcast said, you know, Yossi's getting the recognition, but the real star of that defense is Ryan Ellis. So to me, if Ryan Ellis stays the whole season and Yossi has the year he has, I'm not convinced that voters don't go, yeah, Yossi had a good year, but look who he was playing with. And Well, I mean, that's a really solid point. I will say that um, one of the biggest things about that is I think um, prior to this year, I would have agreed with that. I think that Yossi gets a lot of a lot of the credit um, in the last maybe two or three years, um, you know, in terms of that pairing and how they perform. Because I think Ellis did a lot of he carried pretty much almost all the load defensively and still managed to be pretty good on 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 offense. Um, But what we saw from Yossi this season, just a complete turnaround, because usually he was a he was a negative um, you know, defensive defensive threat player. He, I mean, he, his his whole thing was that they were they were he was going to allow a lot of shots against, um, and just you know rely on that goaltending to keep keep the goal the the shots out of the net. And this year he was actually suppressing shots, and it was, um, I think this came just at that right time because they, that Yossi had that chance to show even without without Ellis that he could continue to play strong. And so, yeah last two years i would still i would have said that ellis was the best defender on the team uh, as far as as an all-around defenseman i mean still i would say maybe still is sean what you know for me you you mentioned well i I guess i agree with nick i'm gonna say going out on a limb that realistically you take Ellis and you keep him healthy the whole time. And I think a lot of that argument for, um, okay, well, Yossi's clearly the one that's carrying everything kind of goes away because you can't really see the evidence of that with, without Ellis uh, being out. And the fact that Yossi was able to remain consistent with so many different defensive partners after Ellis was out, I think really just kind of added evidence that Yossi was clearly the front runner for this award. So, um, you know, as, as much as I regret the fact that Ellis had to be out, I think it probably lent a lot to, to Yossi winning this award. And he even said um, when we were talking to him, you know, he thinks half of the award belongs to Ellis. So, you know, I, <laughs> I guess half of that award belongs to Ellis partially because of the partner he is, but also the fact that when he was out, um, everybody stepped up in his absence and allowed Yossi to continue to shine and to kind of prove that he was the, the guy that kind of carried the rest of the team on his back when they needed him. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, then that's something definitely to, to, um, to watch next season to see, you know, how well that, that pairing continues to do to see if, if, if Yossi can be a, a repeat winner, if we see something, a push from Ellis, um, we haven't, you know, the Norris trophy hasn't had a, a, a two-time winner since the 2013, 2014 se- season with uh, Duncan Keith and then PK Subban or Eric Carlson, sorry, in 1415. Um, but yeah, you know, ever since the, the seven year streak of uh, Nicholas Lidstrom up in Detroit, um, 
you Good know, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, we're, it's there's been a lot of competition. You know, uh, Victor Hedman's been a finalist for the last four years. Uh, Mark Giordano won it last year, I think, deservedly last season. I, I think, you know, if you look at, at some of the past winners, most of them were what most people would consider deserving. I think maybe with the exception of Drew Doughty, but, um, you know, so uh, and, and and one more thing to hit on with, with as far as it comes to defensemen and awards um, before we move on is the fact that, you know, again, there's not there's no award for best defensive defensemen um, still. I, the the um, Pro Hockey Writers uh, Association votes on a midseason award called the uh, Rod Langway Award, basically for best defensive defenseman. And um, the last season, I believe the midseason winner was Matthias Eckholm and. Now, obviously, this year uh, Ekholm kind of had a had a backslide, and as far as his defensive performance, partially probably because he, you know, is partnering with Fabro full time. But you know, would that be something that you guys would like to see them give some kind of recognition to? Because you know, you have awards for forwards that are for all around play, for two way play, but also yeah. you know, obviously, just you know, things like the Hart and the Lindsay things, Art Ross, um, uh, the Rock Richard. Those are all offense-minded, you know, how come... Well, I think I would like to see defensive awards for defensive ability. Why not? Give Radko Gudis a nice little trophy. <laughs> yeah. I think I think everybody should get trophies. No, um, yeah. I think maybe, you know, you could complain and you could make, make a stand that there's a lot, like, too many awards given out. I mean, for all of the people that like to claim that the Predators like to raise banners for anything that happens... You know, it's it's like, well, the league also gives out awards for just about everything. But that seems to be one thing that's kind of lacking. Although I think really if you wanted to get into a good statistical award, and I think Brian definitely would be on board with this, is you give somebody an award that has the best plus minus rating. Uh, they had that for a while. God. They had an official NHL plus minus like champion. Uh, oh, I don't think they've done it since like 2014, but it, it's 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 a thing. It, yeah, it's a goaltending award. Um, oh God, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm just going to move on from there. That's a good way to, to close this this segment of the discussion. Thank you for that, Sean. Um, all right. So next up, I wanted to talk talk. Still talking about awards. Um, Nick, you 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 wrote a piece uh, this week or la- late last week um, on on our voting for um, predator specific awards, and so I wanted to see if you wanted to lead us through. Um, you know, how those ended up and, and, you know, how Sean and I, you know, if we agree with those or, or disagree, cause it's, I, there were yeah. some interesting choices in there. Uh, there's, there are some hot takes in there. Uh, so basically what we did was we sent out a ballot to everybody on OTF. Uh, it, you know, we had everything from team MVP to offensive defensive player. Um, I think 11 people voted total. Uh, the one unanimous award was Roman Yossi for MVP. Um, I think that's obvious. I, I don't think that merits much more of a discussion. But here's the thing that was interesting. Offensive player of the year, or as we call it, the Paul Correa trophy, uh, it wasn't to Roman Yossi. It was to Philip Forsberg, despite Roman Yossi basically being the Preds' offense this season. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think... Yossi did, you know, he had a solid, solid case for it, but, you know, if you really want to like 
break it, you know, if you want to break it down just to bear, like if you want to look at just numbers, I mean, Forsberg had, had 21 goals versus Yossi 16. Um, he basically, whatever line he was on, whether he was with Matt Duchesne and Mikhail Granlund or, or Johansson and Arvidsson, um, he carried those lines. I mean, they would see massive jumps in performance depending on whatever line he was on. Um, he was fantastic on the power play, on a power play that's still now upgraded to mediocre rather than just awful. Um, and and had you know had 48 points, which was the best for all forwards. Now, obviously, Yossi um, and, and Ellis and those um, usually being the, the more setup type, you know, getting creating rebounds, things like that. They had more points, but you know, I, I really do think that, that Philip Forsberg was, even though he had that long streak in the middle of the season, um, you know, where he went, he, I don't think he scored, I think he scored maybe once or twice in February and February. Um, yeah. But he, he was important, I think, because he drove, he helped drive offense, whatever line he was on in the top six. Sean, who was your vote? I, I don't remember. I was actually hoping that you had access to that information and you could, you could, uh, Call me out on the floor about it because I. Can't I pre- it was a blind ballot. I don't have names. <laughs> oh well, um, then uh, I clearly voted for uh, Roman Yossi. There we go. <laughs> uh, uh, so for the for Yossi did get runner up third place Nick Benino. Oh no, I voted for Benino. Sorry. Did you vote for Benino? He... I voted for Benino on a lot of things. There you go. Uh, Benino was a very frugal winner. Uh, we have the Weber Rene Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, again, no surprise, Roman Yossi. We talked about that. Um, Ryan Ellis was second, and UC Saros was third. I I want to say that I voted for Ellis for that one because I voted for Yossi for the Offensive Player of the Year. I think that was how I, I justified that in my mind. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I picked Yossi. I think there was yeah. kind of a that was a hands down decision for me. Yeah, we have we also have a uh, fan vote in the uh, the actual article, uh, and Roman Yossi was their runaway pick for defensive player of the year amongst the fans. All right, this was the best, uh, or not the best, but the most interesting. Um, I would say the most interesting category. The newcomer of the year. This mm-hmm. was this. There was one vote between first and second, and one vote difference between second and third. Yep. So Matt, Matt Duchesne was the winner. Mm-hmm. Colin Blackwell was your runner-up, and Yakov Trend was third place. So Fabro's not even on here. I uh, I know I voted for Trinan on that one, um, and the reason I didn't vote for Duchesne was because uh, he was really just new to the team, and he'd been around the league for a long time. So I was going with someone that was new to the team. Uh, so you're you're basically one of the vigilante awards voters. What what do you mean vigilante? <laughs> well, awards? the ones that didn't you didn't vote yeah. for the for Duchesne, basically. Yeah, the the ones who are like. Uh, who is it like some year? It's like, oh, I'm not going to vote for Roman Yossi because he's got a good defensive partner. I'm trying to think like a good example. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, if that's not, it's like it's like the baseball. Yeah, it's it's like the baseball Hall of Fame voters who don't put people on like 
the ballot for the first time, like the first year they're on there. Oh. Like the one guy who didn't vote for Derek Jeter mm. to make a point. Yeah. Well, I think with this one, it was a little bit, I mean, I can understand why people didn't maybe had some hesitation with Duchesne. Um, uh, you know, I think not counting Duchesne, if it was for me between Blackwell and Trenton, I think personally I would have picked Blackwell. Now, Part of that is that I've been watching a bunch of Blackwell's games this season because I'm getting ready to do his his report card for next week. But I, I there there are some holes in Trenton's game. He's he's a he's a great offensive player. He he really is, and I think that he's going to develop in in year or two to being a a forty point guy maybe in a season in, in a couple seasons. But Blackwell's all around game and just his play at center was, was something that. I don't know. I, I'm very impressed because I graded him last season and I think like maybe the seven or eight games he played or two seasons ago. And, and really there wasn't much special there, but you know, he, he, you know, he had three goals and, and seven assists this season and, and not, not very much time. And he, you know, one of the things I noticed the most was the chemistry he had with, with Trennan and Kyle Turris. Um, and I think it worked to the advantage of, of Trenton and Turris just for the fact that Blackwell's got vision that you don't usually see out of, out of rookies like the, I mean, he, he was extremely strong for checker. Um, he, it looked like, it felt like he had eyes in the back of his head a lot. You know, he would, he'd know when the defender was getting close, he'd be able to make a pass, um, you know, to the open guy uh, across the, uh, across the crease. It was, I'm just really impressed by him and, and watching, his, the film of him this season I'm, I'm still just really surprised by how much he's sticking out and how well I mean I think that Trenton and Turris line was excellent but one of one of the ones he he did as you know even better with was with a line with Austin Watson on it um and so you know if you can help carry a line with Austin Watson then heck you know that's that's got to count for something and so yeah out of the out of the two rookies i think i think blackwell deserved that second place spot i guess i guess my thing is i was impressed with blackwell season two but let me ask you this question and tell me if this makes you change your mind how many giants did colin blackwell slay on the ice uh not i mean i feel like char is the end all be all Mm. (laughs) yeah so I can like understand that. Stuff. I can give you. I'll give you that. <laughs> With, I like to say like that should just be there. There should have been a, like a fight of the year or something like that. If there was, you know, I don't want to get into whole the ethics of fighting in the NHL right now. But if there was, I feel like that would have been the runaway. I've been uh, watching. There were some. There were some. I mean, we had a goalie fight this season, and so I'm not like it, uh, as much as I love love Trenton. I, I'm not going to vote against a, a goalie fight ever. Who was, so who was the goalie fight? It was in the uh, Battle of uh, uh, oh, Edmonton. Oh, I thought we were talking about Preds Awards. No, no, no. Oh, God, yeah, no, you're I not. Wish. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to beat. Uh, who was that? Was that Mike Smith, Cam Talbot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're yeah. not going to beat that. God, Mike Smith in a fight just sounds like terrifying. Yeah. No, if we if we had word. one, if we would have had one this season with you know, on the Preds, if if Pecorino would have gotten a fight this season, he'd have the career uh, Gordie Howe hat trick. So. That could, that could have been awesome. Quick question. Do you guys know the one Predators goaltender to record a fighting major as a Pred? It's only happened once. I don't know. Um, let's see. I don't think it, I don't think it's it's I, I know that Peck is the most one of the most 
penalized goaltenders that's active right now, but I don't know that he's ever gotten a fighting major. Um, I don't think it was it was Chris Mason. I just don't see him being the type. It was um, against an Alberta team. Uh, and, this, and this was one of the Preds' sneaky biggest rivalries back in the early 2000s. Was it Ellis? No, it was Tomas Vokun oh. versus Mika Kiprasov. Oh, wow. Yeah, back in 2004. Yeah, uh, I, and we, fun we, fact: the game, the game that it happened in, is you know the NHL rule where you're automatically suspended if you instigate a fight within the last five minutes. That game helped spur that rule. Huh. That's interesting. Did not little, know that. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Little, little history lesson. All um, right. So, should we do one more award? Oh, we've got we got we got, we got more t- we've got more time. All right. Well, there's only okay. So the most interesting one, and again. Yeah, for anybody listening, this is on on the four check. We still got stuff like best goal, best game, um, prospect of the year, all that good stuff. We've got we've got ten, twelve more minutes. Oh well, why didn't you tell me that before I did the whole pitch? Yeah, no, let's keep going. Well, well you just okay. gave him a nice preview. Okay, there we go. All right, uh, this will be the uh, nice little plug. All right, unsung hero award. Other than MVP, this was the biggest runaway vote. Um, I think eight out of 11 votes were for Nick Benino, who won. I think uh, my yeah. votes were for Nick Benino on that one. Yeah. Um, Callie Yarncroke was second and a third place tie. This is interesting. Craig Smith, that's, that's acceptable. Matt Duchesne mm-hmm. was the third place tie. I can see why he got votes. I, I, I guess. I mean, because this one was this one was hard to vote for because you can't, you don't want to vote for. It's harder for you to vote for a top six guy. Like, you know, you, you're not. You, you, it's hard for you to vote for an Ellis or a Yossi or Forsberg or or even, you know, Arvidsson, Arvidsson in this type of thing because you want you're looking for that guy who's not, you know, not the top level. Like, if you were to pick a starting five, you, you know, that's he's not going to be on there. And Benino fits that role perfectly driving that third line i think that this award was kind of made for him um maybe you know in previous years this would have been an award you would see matthias Eckholm maybe get votes for um maybe colton sissons and in, in other in a few years back maybe but this this season i mean i think a lot of those extra votes were just people going wow well, you know who do i put for second and third just because it was going to be nick benino my vote was Callie yarncroke Really? Because I don't think enough people talk about how this was his best season of his career. And I think just because of the constant line shuffling and all that good stuff, Callie Yarncroke played great no matter yeah. what line he was on. He was on the first line, um, you know. He, for a while. Uh, yeah, for with uh, Johansson and Arvidsson. And then the next game, and he played great. Next game, he'd be back on the fourth line and play equally as great. Uh, he tied his career high in points. Hold and... on. Don't say anything else about his stats because I have a question about that after that. Okay. But yeah. Well, he had X amount of points and X, 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 X. And I'll just wait until Brian finishes the. His <laughs> I, I'd like to, Well, this surprised me. And so I want to ask Sean because, one, the fact that Yarncroke got second place, I thought was going to be purely off of, of Kate's votes alone. So I'm surprised that, that <laughs> she wasn't the main driving fact force behind that. But I'm going to, Sean, I'm going to give you two, I'm going to give you Yarncroke and then another player. I want you to tell me who, who had more goals. Okay. 
All right. Uh, I'm Kelly Yarncrook and uh, Mikhail Grandland. Yarncrook. Uh, no, Yarncrook headless. Um, Kelly Yarncrook and Victor Arvidson. I'm assuming Arvidson had more. Actually, they had the same. Insane. Uh, one more. One more. Um, let's see. Kelly Yarncrook and uh, Rocco Grimaldi. Yarncrook. Yes. So Yarncrook had 15 goals. Um, out of I know. I was surprised. 34 points. Um, he ranked fifth for all forwards uh, this season. Um, he was pretty high up on on time on ice too. Um, so yeah, he. I was really. I'm not. It wasn't until Nick said something that I realized that he scored as many goals as he did this season. Um, I guess he did. You know, it definitely did benefit. He was sixth. The only person that was ahead of him that wasn't a forward was was Yossi was 16. Um, but you know, he had 15. Arvidsson had 15. Johansson had 14. So in Forsberg 21. So yeah, he was up there um, producing at high level. So yeah, I'll give you credit, Nick, because I was, I was skeptical about, um, about Yarncroke getting, getting that praise, but yeah, I mean, he looks like he was pretty deserving of it. I'm glad you think so. That's good validation. Yeah. <laughs> so, so why do you think Duchesne got as many votes as he did? Cause I, I'm looking at the fan poll right now. Um, and there's only one vote out of close to a hundred for Duchesne for this, for this award, for this award, an uh, unsung hero. I, I think he did, he did better this season than what most of us think, because we expected him to come in and do, you know, be basically the shoot first player that he was a couple years back with Colorado before, you know, the black hole that is, that is the Ottawa Senators, um, you know, grips us all. And um, yeah, I mean, he, he, there was a lot, there was a lot more to his game this season. And I was kind of, you know, I, I think he obviously was disappointing as far as he just didn't quite, he, he, you I mean, he didn't live up to the expectations, obviously, um, you know, 31 goals last year. Um, but he was pretty instrumental in driving the offense. I mean, outside of Roman Yossi, he was one, he was one of the best players at, at carrying the puck in and out of the, you know, in and out of the zone. He was um, excellent at, at creating high danger passes. Um, he, he flow, he, he did really well considering with Grandland and Forsberg when they played together. Um, again, I don't think that he lived up to the expectation of the contract that, that he got, but I think that that may come with time. Um, but I do think he's, I, and I think I'm, I may have given him a th- the third place vote on this one, but um, just for the fact that he did better than most think, but still not quite up to what we wanted. He wasn't the bust that a lot of people seem to consider him as. Well, I've, I've got a quiz for you guys. How about that with your name? All right. Okay, check this one out. See right. who knows this. How many cell phones does Matt Duchesne bring with him? to the ice during warmups. Hmm, if only someone I knew Wait. had talked about this at a game, a pregame thing. Um, let me guess Dur- three. Wait, during warmups? Like, Is this when he's sitting in the, in the, on the bench by himself? No, like when they're coming out and warming up before they go oh. back in. He's I'm got say a three. phone with him? Well, maybe, okay. Maybe it's maybe it was during training camp. Oh, okay. Uh I'll say three. 
Yeah, well, I'm guessing he had, like, a new one for being in Nashville, one from Ottawa, and then one that he puts all his, his corny country music on. Um, the answer was two, and I don't know why there are two of them. My reasons are right. I well, was pick, you pick two of those. I assumed one was for country music only. Yeah. yeah. One's for family, one's in case uh, BMI calls and offers him a contract. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> Uh, Nick, we've got time for a couple more. Do you want to talk about prospects, even though yeah, I think this was a, pr- yeah, a pretty uh, open and shut case? Yeah, uh, Tomasino was another pretty much runaway. Connor Ingram was second, uh, and uh, Afanasyev was third. Yeah, and I think I, I'm not surprised by that. I'm not surprised by, by Ingram. I think Ingram might have... He's a goaltender, and so it's hard to compare to say like this. I mean, because he was absolutely dominant in the AHL, uh, AHL this season. I mean, he was. I mean, he was hands down probably the best goaltender in the AHL this season. And um, you know, it did help to have the best, you know, team it had in front of him. But you're not going to be able to go and have beat out a guy in a vote where <laughs> a prospect that you drafted scores 100 points. Um, when when half of the season was spent with with Niagara um, on a pretty bad OHL team, um, it is surprising to not see you know this this point in time not to see Ellie Tolvanen um, you know on that list. That's a uh, that is a different discussion for another day. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think I'm gonna go ahead and do a hot take here. Uh, I think this year or this time next year, Ellie Tolvanen's going to be back in everybody's good graces. He should be um, in everybody's good graces now. He had he, an excellent season in Milwaukee. Well, it's what? it's it's like it's like what we were talking about with Duchesne last time. Uh, this is not he he's not the player that everybody expected him to be, like fan wise, like expectation wise. I mean. When he went to the Olympics, I think everybody thought he was going to come in and be the, you know, like Austin Matthews, 80 goals your first year, flirt with 100 points each year kind of guy. And, you know, I, I think actually this year we've seen him more the player that he's probably going to be in the NHL, which isn't necessarily a big, you know, 90 to 100 point score, but it's going to be a great two-way second-line player that's going to get you a lot of depth scoring. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, and, and Eric will be able to, when he when he does his, his grade on, on, on Tolvanen, he'll be able to flesh that out a bit more. I mean, defensively, he has gotten better. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, and again, Eric can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see him being a, never really being a two-way, seen as a two-way player, but I think he'll be a little bit better rounded i guess that, um, he won't be... I, I would say that's what i was what i was going for yeah but no he had a good he he developed really well in milwaukee this season um and i i think you know yeah i think he's he's about where he's supposed to be for a for a 28th overall pick um you know so I, i'm glad that i'm I, i'm hoping that people I mean, I think the only reason he's failing to live up ex- to expectations is because everybody had way too high expectations for him in the first place. Yeah, well, on, that's fair. on that note, do you think that when Tomasino arrives, people are going to have incredibly unrealistic expectations for him as well, considering the season he had 
Well, yes, I mean, of course. What, what, what do you mean when he arrives? Those expectations are already here. <laughs> well, I mean, once he's actually playing for the Predators, you know, I, I think you're going to see a lot of people doing the same thing they did with Tolvanen and, and expecting him to just show up on like a, a flaming chariot of justice and goals and just go to town with two goals a night and, and go crazy. But I mean, clearly, I mean, most people know that's not really going to happen, but when that doesn't happen, you see people that are going to go back and look at the OHL season and say, what, what in the OHL he scored more. And they're not going to understand why that doesn't translate so easily to the NHL. Yeah, it's almost as if there's better well-rounded players in the NHL than in juniors, which is kind of a shock to everybody. <laughs> uh, um, but no, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think it's first off, I think Tomasino and Tolman are just two completely different style players. Um, you know, and I, I really don't think it's David Poyle's style to, uh, you know what? I was about to say, I don't think it's David Poyle's style to really fast track somebody in a position that they're not ready for. And then I just thought of Dante Fabro. So you can forget yeah. the sentence I was about to say. I will. Uh, I, I don't know. I think, I mean, yes, I, I fully have always been behind the, the fact that I, I don't like, I hate the fact that they brought him up when they did because they killed a year of his entry-level contract, meaning he's going to be now eligible for the Seattle draft, which means Nashville's going to have to do eight skaters instead of seven and three. Um, I think that that screwed things up just to get him in at the end of a a long NCAA season. Um, I think part of that might be based on, you know, it was the end of his his college career, and I think there might have been some... Yeah, you know, there might have been some. Hey, I really want to. If I'm not, if I'm going to stay, if I'm going to go, you know, to Milwaukee or go to Nashville next season instead of staying here at Boston, you know, I want to know that I'm going to get to play. And I think that might have had something to do with it. Um, you, you seeing that we're waiting patiently on um, uh, David France uh, doing the same thing, coming back for his senior year and making everybody nervous. Um, so there might have been part of that. But yeah, I think they. I think. Besides Fabro, I think they've done a good job of not rushing players in too much or outright ignoring players and not giving them a chance at Nashville at all, you know, like like Frederick Allard and uh and Jeremy Davies. Can I back up to something you said? Yeah. So you're confident Preds are gonna go four four or eight skaters. Oh yeah, I think so too. You think so? I, I'm, not, I do. I'm not convinced. So, okay. So I think what's, I think just two. I mean, I think it's going to hinge on what they decide to do with Matias Ekholm. I think Matias Ekholm is going to be the guy that they're going to sacrifice. Um, if they do want to go seven and three, just for the fact that I think he's going to get a new contract here the year after the Seattle draft. I think I can't remember. I think it's. I think this is the last year of his contract. I want to make sure. Um, I think he's got two years. Yeah, because the Seattle draft is after next season, correct? Yeah. So, yeah, he, so would, he would have one year yeah. left on his contract. Because if and he, he, yeah, he's if he get was a paid. free agent, he wouldn't have. They wouldn't have even protected him if he was a free agent. Yeah. So he's he's getting going to get paid. 
Um, I mean, I'm going to guess he's probably going to get upwards of seven, seven and a half million because he's been vastly underpaid for most of his career. And so I think that would be the reason that they want to uh, to push. But you're going to have, OK, so they if they want to go seven and three, it's Yossi because they can't move him, period. Um, Ellis and, and Fabro most likely. Um you know, so yeah, maybe you know they can go seven three, but I'm also thinking, you know, what what forwards do they got? What seven forwards do they want to do? They want to keep. I mean, they can't move to Shane because if I think his no, no movement con, uh, clause kicks in next season. Nope, right. that's right until after the Seattle draft. I, I take that back. Um, but they're not going to move. They're going to protect him. They're going to protect All Forsberg. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe you're right. I mean, I think I was. I don't know. I was the of the camp that they should hold on to Matias at home for as long as possible um, and not give him up, especially looking at seeing how Fabro played this season and seeing, you know, if he doesn't develop well next season, then do you make that decision of, yeah. do you keep all four of them? But you may not have choice with the cap. Yeah. Well, la- last word on this, I bet, you know, how things shake out this year is going to be a big role in that. Cause you know, there, there's probably a bunch of Fords that if they have another down season, they may be uh, expendable as well. Um, should we do one more award before we move on to some Yakov trend and talk? Uh, yes, I'd like to talk about. Let me let me see. I, I think we well, have gonna... we have goal of the year, which was obvious. Pekka's goal. Mm-hmm. Nothing was going to top that. Uh, game of the year. Those are our last two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Goal of the year was, like you said, was obvious. Um, I was interested to see what the two, what the, the, the order of the runners up. Cause I think really there were only probably only three goals worth in this, in this category. I'm trying to think of what the, uh, I think a Dan Hamhuse goal had it would have had it have happened, <laughs> would have, would have gotten votes, but it didn't. And so I'm, I'm really looking back and trying to think. Besides... Uh, the, the Forsberg Michigan goal was second. Yep. The behind the back lacrosse style. And then the uh Mikhail Grandland point one second left yeah. game tying goal was third. And, and that's that's and and funny th- you bring that up, right? Yeah, that that ended up being the uh game of the year was the uh the Grandland buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. an incredible game. And I, I will say this, that, that the series with Calgary this season was um, unexpectedly more entertaining and more impactful than I thought it would be this, that, you know, when the season started. Because we can all think about, before the, the amazing comeback in Grandland, you know, two goals, the game-tying and the game-winning goal in February, we had a debacle on Halloween night um, with Nashville losing the lead, um, the Predators silently releasing the information that they gave Austin Watson a three-year extension in the middle of the game. Um, oh, I forgot that was that game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, that was the goal. That was the goal where, um, uh, oh gosh, uh, Kachuk had the that amazing like I don't know like three seconds left goal that he he scored on 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 Pekka. I think it was like the I can't remember what it was, but I mean it was it was insane what he did. Uh, he went. Between it was highlight the legs. real stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean it was one the of the legs. Yeah, and so I, I it was interesting to see that that happened because I remember when we were watching that second Calgary game, I remember Calgary fans were just like, "Oh yeah, now I know how y'all f- felt," you know, <laughs> just a few months back. But you know, that was one season. We're stuck with three years of Austin Watson after that first one. So, um, 
Yeah, that I, I can't think of it. You know, the Chicago game that Pekka scored in was was, I think maybe maybe second or third choice. Um, yeah. uh, the runner up for game of the year was. Uh, let me see. You got it in front of me. Um, the six five win over. Oh Washington, yeah, that oh, that's game, right. That, where the Preds scored four in the third. So that was a uh, like. One week into the season, and they already scored four in the third twice. They had two four-goal third periods in a span of one week, which is fun. <laughs> do, uh, you, do you have a count on? Do you, do you have a count on somebody's petty vote? Because I'm pretty sure I petty voted on this one for second or third. Uh, I believe I. Yes, you I did. did. You did, uh, Brian. I'll let you tell everybody what your petty vote was. I can't remember if it was a second or a third place vote, but I definitely put in. It was the uh, second Janu- place vote. Was it January seventh, twenty twenty? No, it was January sixth. I think. It was uh, Laviolette's last game. Yes, it was the game against Anaheim they blew after beating Los Angeles the day before. Um, I, I did a podcast with, with Robin over at uh, Jules in the Crown about the series coming up or the game coming up against the Kings, which they did win. But we talked a lot about whether or not it was time for Laviolette to go, and I got to talk at length about that. And then they just collapsed in that Anaheim game after the um, like awful collapse. Um, I did an article on in the, in the winter classic and yeah, that was it. And you know, he one he's landed on his feet Two, He's getting paid his money. I'm glad he did what he did for the organization. But uh, if that was the game that, that was needed to signal to the organization that it was time to move on, then yeah, I think that I gave it a second or a third place vote. You gave it a second place vote. Yeah, I'm petty. So I'm petty. Sean, do you remember yours? Um, I remember that I voted for the Grandland game, the Calgary game. That was one of the one of the rare games toward the end of the season where I was actually there as a fan um, and not up in the booth. And so I was. I remember. I think I was there with with my wife's entire family, and the kids were there with us. And I, I think I had really been holding back on a lot of the yelling I normally would get to do at a game because I hadn't had the opportunity. So there was a lot of screaming and shouting, and and it was just uh, overall game experience, one of the best games I've been to. Um, Therefore, that got my first-place vote. I think my second-place vote went to the Pecorine goalie goal game um, because it did also have Blackwell's first goal. And then I want to say that my third place was the trend and fight game was that the one that i can't remember was that the heinz's first game or was that later um my memory is not going to serve me very well on this i i know it wasn't the boston game where they just absolutely got destroyed the interim uh game where um, Dan Muse was actually behind the bench before Hines had a chance to get there. That may have been when it was. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, again, all of these are on uh, on the four check right now. We call them the 2024 checkies. You can go, um, you know, read through all the categories, um, see the runners-up, the third place, uh, and then vote for uh, which one you thought was best. Um, we have a lot. We have a, uh, if you don't agree with the top three, there's a place you can vote for somebody else in the comments. Let us know uh, who you'd put in that category. 
All right. Now, okay. Now, how about some Yakov Trenin talk? <laughs> oh man, let me tell you something. I uh, we we got on locker room here a while back, and we were talking about this very thing because I'm going to say this: the 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 deal with Trenin here was that Trenin wants, as far as we had been able to tell, um, wanted a one way contract, and I think the offer had been a two way contract. He felt that he deserved better so what had happened and this is i mean for anybody out there listening who wasn't following yakov trenin news as closely as i do um essentially what happened was while he was back home in in russia his agent took some pictures of him with one of the khl team owners i believe holding up a jersey with his name on it and it was really i went back and looked at it today because um i spent a lot of time thinking about Trennan recently. And, uh, you know, I, I believe it was Eric that said, you know, this is really probably just a lot of posturing in order to kind of show Poyle and, and the boys back in Nashville that, Hey, there are other options out there if you're not going to give me what I want and I'm not afraid to exercise those options. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people had been left afraid that that was what was going to end up happening is that he would end up going to the KHL and playing there instead of staying in the NHL. Yeah. And I think the thing is that, um, you know, we, I don't know if we're ever going to find out if it was, you know, really posturing or not. Um, but it is believable. I mean, at the time, you know, we don't really know what, um, Boyle's long-term plans were for Trennan, if you saw him as any more of a spot call-up or an extra man, or if you really did see him having a future in the bottom six somewhere. And, you know, if you're Trennan and you have a a choice to come to NHL and maybe make an NHL roster or stay home and, you know, be guaranteed probably a couple million dollars, um, I don't think anybody would have blamed Trennan. You know, to me, what this signing means was that um, there is enough conviction for Poyle or enough belief from Poyle and enough trust in Trennan that they they really envision him being part of the full-time roster next year, you know, either on the third or fourth line, um, you know, because you don't give somebody a two-year contract one way if um, – you know, if, if you don't really think he's going to have a shot of being an impact player. So well, that, that's what that means to me. Yeah, I don't, you know, for one, I don't blame him for going the route that he did. Um, because, yeah, I mean, he had an excellent season in Milwaukee, 20 goals, uh, 35 points or something like that. I mean, he had a hell of a season. He was an all-star, I believe, um, for Milwaukee this season and then came up and and then had a pretty good decent uh, time with with Nashville but I think he absolutely deserved that because I think he capped out of you know really what he was going to be able to do with Milwaukee and yeah he could have made money at, in the K- KHL but I mean he also he you know he also could have gone signed by other NHL teams and I think other NHL teams would have done it um I think really looking at it I'm I I'm not maybe surprised but um I'm pleasantly surprised they gave him 2 years um I'm I'm surprised that he went with the you know seven hundred twenty five thousand uh, per year. I thought he'd get paid a little bit more, but looking at it now, I could tell I see that he'll be a restricted free agent after those two years, and that he, after next year he'll be eligible for arbitration. And so I think 
the reason they gave him that two years is he's got he's getting paid this minimum uh, this basically veteran minimum salary right now um and if they don't think he'll be a restricted free agent and if they don't think that he's you know deserves a bigger contract or another contract at the end of the two years they'll be able to go to arbitration with it and so i mean it's like it's basically just a bridge deal for for a, a a young guy like him and i think it works out i mean perfect i um am curious to see what happens with other bottom six players in nashville including um, colin blackwell who as of now does not have a contract i think he'll get another i think he'll get another i think he'll get another two two uh two way i i think he deserves to to be up but i think unless we see them Nashville's not going to move on from Austin Watson because they, you know, he's starting his three-year deal. Um, you know, I, I forget that Sissons was extended for what seven years a couple years back. It's quite uh, a lot, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. only two two point eight a, a year, but seven years. I, I I'm wondering if we don't see them start to shop Yarncroke around. Well, it would be a good time considering the season I just learned he had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's also, and I don't think anybody wants to talk about this, there's also the possibility Nick Bonino's name was on the trade block a lot last year. He's coming off a fantastic year, a proven player with one year left on a pretty decent contract. Um, you know, don't here's the thing about Benino and he was, his name was on the trade block a lot. And I think he is pretty, I think he would actually give you something pretty decent in return for a team that was looking for some way to really shore up their depth and make a really solid, deep, deep run next season. But I'll also point out that I had the opportunity to talk to a new assistant coach, Dan Hynote, and he, he referenced when I, when he was talking about the leadership he saw with the team, he of course referenced Yossi, but the next person on his list was Nick Benino. And it seems kind of strange to me that he would come in and see that leadership from someone like Benino, and then they would turn around and trade him that quickly. I guess yeah. it depends on what they could get back. I think, I think the reason his name was shopped around as much as it was, was because they couldn't move Kyle Turris. Um, I don't think that because it's almost – well, we'll find out tomorrow, I guess, starting tomorrow when the buyout um, period starts. Um, it, you know, but it most likely Turris is gone. And, you know, then you're going back to do you have Sissons as your for, your fourth center. I, I don't see them – they them holding on to Benino at this point is – unless they get a really nice offer, they, they might as well just for the fact that it's $4 million um, – He's a free agent after this year. You don't have to worry about protecting him for Seattle unless you want you resign him. Uh, and, and I think he's just too integral to that middle six role to, you know, be on the the best performing line of the you know on the team this season. Oh. It, and and to be fair, like when I said that, uh, you know, I was in no way advocating trading Nick Benino, um, in in no way whatsoever. Um, I think he is. Maybe, you know, other than Roman Yossi was maybe the Preds' second most, you know, make-or-break player this year. I was just saying that from the standpoint as in, if you're going to trade him, if you're going to get a huge value from him, this would be the year to do it. I agree. 
you're definitely right on that. I, I don't think I was, I was reacting to, to the thought that you were trying to get rid of them or trying to justify it. But um, I, I'm curious on this and maybe one of you guys knows a little bit better. You said he's a, he's a UFA after this year uh, or this next season, which means you don't have to protect him from the draft unless you sign him to another contract. Would it make sense? And, and I, I don't know if this can happen, would happen or, would be a thing to happen that with his leadership capabilities and the fact that he can do what he does so well, would it make sense for the Predators to work out some kind of deal with Seattle where they signed him to a very friendly contract and then exposed him in the draft and let Seattle take him, which would in turn protect everybody else? Normally I'd say so, but I think he'll be 33, 34 next, after next season. And I think if they're going to take anybody from Nashville, um, they're going to take Ekholm. They're going to take, um, you know, depending on how they're feeling about Joe Hansen or, <laughs> you know, I, I there's, I, I don't know. I, I think that, that there's a possibility they could, but I think that, you know, you can you can build a, a defense core around a first pairing Matias Ekholm. True. Um, and so I think. You know, again, with with Benino's age, they can just sign. I mean, Vegas can just sign him if they really want to. Um, And so Preds don't have very much leverage to say, well, we'll sign this contract. I mean, if you could see that if he was like five years younger and they're going to say, do a sign and trade where, you know, the team that is re-signing him can sign him for eight years and that's what they wanted, then that would be the leverage they've got. But um you know, going to a new team, you can only sign for seven. If it, you know, if he was younger, maybe, but I don't, I don't really see that. I think they're going to let him go or, you know, he'll be a free agent and they'll kind of see where it goes from there. But I I think that Seattle will probably knowing the the people that work, work for the team. Now I'm pretty sure they're going to be keeping their eyes on Matias Ekholm uh, all season. Yeah, I guess I'm not for that. No. Uh, also, I think, you know, after what happened with Vegas, there's a lot of teams that are going to be wary with the um, phrase deal for ex- deal with expansion draft. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll give you a pick if you don't take this player because that had, I think, backfired for basically every single team that did that last time. Well, I mean, that wasn't that's I mean, it wasn't like it was a new rule. I mean, I got to get to Vegas. They did it. They played it smart and everybody else was overprotective of their own of their own players and rightfully i guess had no expectation of vegas being any good so but no i mean they'll be more weary about it but seattle's got really smart front office now so i i don't think you're gonna see a team you know it's interesting because i'm not gonna go out and live and say they're not gonna be successful their first year because they're gonna get a good team regardless but um, I don't think you're going to see it constructed in the same way as Vegas. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I mean, you may uh, the one thing I think they might they might look at um, is seeing if um, you know getting a, a veteran goaltender that'll be a free agent um, in in Pecorine. They might look at him if he decides not to retire. I mean. I don't think he's going to – I'm not sure that he's going to want to – he'll he'll do the whole I want to stay for another year in Nashville or, you know, to – because I think the, the writing's on the wall as far as that goes. But, um, you know, I think 
he might be somebody, an option they had with Flurry, where they've got a, a veteran guy in there and then somebody younger that they get. Um, he would he could be an option too, like you see, it's all you know something similar with with Vegas. Um, I wanted to really quick before we go, so I think that was good. I'm I'm super glad that um, the Jakob Trenin got signed. I think he was one of the three signings I think was going to be most important to do this off season um, since free agency starts in two weeks. Um, I think Craig Smith is the next was probably the most important um this 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 off season. I think that looking at just what he did and his value this season, I think he's gonna be very important to resign and then again Colin Blackwell um I think will be the next person that they need to to focus on. Um I wanted to and I'm gonna see if I can pull it up. I wanted to look at you know, we're talking about awards before we before we close out. I wanted to look and see how we all voted or how, what we all thought at the beginning of the season and what our predictions were. Oh. And I wanted to revisit oh, 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 that oh. Um, because uh, mine, mine weren't good. I'll tell you uh, that. Yeah. And, and um, if I, if I can't find it quickly, then, then we'll, we'll, we'll skip it. Um, but I, we'll save that maybe for next time. And I don't, I'm not seeing it come up immediately, but yeah, I think that'll be a good place to start because uh, there were some interesting ones. There were some ones like personally, I, um, uh, I thought it was Mark Stone was gonna was gonna get the get the heart because um, I love Mark Stone. Um, I I did say I thought Ellis was gonna get the the Norris Trophy. Um, so you're kind of close on that. Yeah, I was convinced that John Gibson would get the recognition he deserved for the Vesna that he should have gotten last year. <laughs> um, but yeah, that wasn't gonna happen. Um, and I did have Colorado uh, winning it all. I felt I still still felt I picked them to win it all when the playoffs started. So uh, I did too. Uh, so the best pick I had, I picked Kale McCarr for Calder. Uh, so I got that right. Uh, I do remember the worst pick I had um, back in when you're um, you know give us one surprise team. Uh, I, I picked the Red Wings as a surprise playoff team. Yeah, you did. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that distinctly. Well, I mean, you have when you had two thirty-goal scores, you know, and things started looking up, and then, you know, I think that what the Red Wings started four and one this year, and then lost like twenty-eight of their next thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, it was not my not my crowning achievement of sports predictions. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to look. I'm trying. I don't want to call anybody else's p- picks out. I was, was going to just highlight mine, but I'm trying to think. Like my division winners were Tampa, Carolina, Colorado, Vegas, Tampa. Um. So I guess you know I don't. I'm not. I don't feel bad about that. Um. I had Kucherov winning. Uh, the heart actually. I thought that it was Stone. I had. Oh yeah, I did. I'm sorry. Having Kucherov having the Rocket Richard and the Art Ross. Um. I did. I did say Capocacco was going to be the Calder um, instead of being like one of the worst players by goals <laughs> above replacement this season. He had a rough year. Poor guy. Um, yeah, Eric at least agreed with me, so that made me feel a little bit better. Um, Curious what mine were. 
Um, oh, I did say Yossi for Norris. Look at that. Um, you abst- you abstained from Norris, Sean. Um, but you picked somebody that um, did not have a very good year uh, mm. as a defenseman this season mm. for, for for Calder, and I'll let you. I'll I'll, I'll, let, I'll leave it at that. Um, I don't remember who it was. That was, it was a long time ago. It was Dante Fabro. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember because he he came out he came out a little bit hot and. They were showing all of the uh, all the forwards and their scoring, and but for a moment, Fabro had more goals than they did, and I was like, "Look at this, Fabro's going to win the Calder," and uh, I was wrong. Um, not a thing you'll hear me say a lot unless it's true, but I was wrong. So that's okay. Yeah, you'll get it next time. Uh, did I get anything right? That was even close. <laughs> um, you did say that the one of the things, the new trend that you think people will start seeing in successful teams, you said that scoring more goals than opponents more often will be, will be key. And so I think yes. you, you nailed that one. Got it. Um, uh, you had Panarin for most points and I can't remember if that was, if that ended up being true or no, I think it was Drysaddle, wasn't it? Oh, Drysaddle was run away, but Panarin, I think finished third in scoring this year. Yeah. Was, so, so that was so that a good was, thing. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, Nate, uh, you had McKinnon for for Rocket Richard, but I mean, um, you know, uh, you had Nashville winning the Central. Yeah. Um, Wait, I did. Sean did. Oh, Nick, you had. Let's see here. You're you had Tampa, Washington, Colorado, and Vegas as your division winners. Um, Tavares winning uh, Hart, which that's that would have been a fun story at least. Um, you had Bishop winning Vesna, which. It's funny to think about now. Um, Headman getting Norris, which wasn't far off. Um, Wait, so I was one hundred percent right on the division winners. Yeah. So way yeah, to go, Tampa, Washington. Yeah, Washington won over Carolina. Colorado. Colorado Vegas. Yeah, those were they. Those were all the top four, right? Mm-hmm. And you have Tampa. Well, I, I did pick Tampa to win the whole thing. I'm like. I'm surprised. I thought it was Colorado. Take that back. Um, yeah. Um, wow. So, yeah, Nick. You, yeah, I was gonna say you had Barkov for Selkie, which I don't. Remember, I don't think he finished in the top three, but could have. No, he had, he had it down here. Um. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Oh, I did say. I think the other thing that I was on was that the Winnipeg was going to fall apart. Um. Hmm. But they fell apart just as badly as Nashville did. So yeah. um, I would say they fell apart, but they had a career year from Connor Hellbuck holding them together. Who, who did I have for Vesna? A lot worse than they did had uh, he not stepped up. What's that, Sean? Who did I have for Vesna? Um, you, had, you said Bobrovsky. Oh, yeah. Well, you weren't the only person. Um, there, no. were a couple, there were three, three people who said Bobrovsky. So um, I think the only person who got Hellebuck was was Bobby. So. Um, no, he's a yeah. smart man. Bobby's pretty smart. Yes. Um, I said that Turris or Bernino was going to get traded, but and probably Yarn Croker Smith. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. So I guess there was some of it. There are there. There's some fun stuff in there, but um, at least for the three of us, it wasn't too awful. Oh um, no, mine was bad. 
Um, I do remember on something, everyone was talking after the uh, off season about how the devils were looking really good and they had a great chance. And I remember I said, I don't think they're even going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be terrible. So if nothing else, I was right on something. Yeah. You pretty much hit the nail on the head on that one. Um, (laughs) our, our good buddy, Eric did say that Dallas is going to be the overhyped off season champions. Once again, um, I think he, didn't um i think he missed on that one he did say philadelphia was going to be a lot better so I'll give him that but no i think and i don't i think people thought that about dallas coming into the playoffs so i mean yeah yeah they've been um think and he also yeah he also said we'll finish behind st louis for the division which yes technically we did um we did not make it to the conference finals to lose to San Jose. So, um, no, that didn't happen. And Nassaros and Rene split the season evenly, That's which happened. Um, so, yeah. Okay, well, guys, uh, that, was, that was fun. I just wanted to take a little detour because I was looking at these the other day and, and was getting a nice chuckle out of that. What I think um, we should do is put these uh, in an article on, on the forecheck soon. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Yeah, let's see if we want to expose everybody, but yes. Um, but guys, thank you for, for joining this. Again, we're going to do these, um, you know, because this offseason is not very long. You've got free agency in two weeks, as well as the draft. Um, training camp starts in November, and then the season is supposed to start early December. So um, we're going to have draft coverage coming up soon. Um, this is technically going to be the first episode that's going to go on our new relaunch podcast feed um so what you'll see is is things like this what this happens with with breaking news or game recaps things like that you'll see this happen with locker room the recordings from that and then we'll also be uh, we're working on getting our our you know weekly uh standalone podcast going so you know keep an eye out on on the twitter page and on the website on the forecheck.com for for information about that hopefully we'll get this all posted um pretty soon and again if you guys have any questions um thank you to locker room for giving us this forum to 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 do this this is a really awesome awesome way to interact with people and and get on and and talk i've been really excited about the partnership with with locker room and yeah reach out to us about anything you'd like you'd like us to get get talk to talk about so thank you sean and thank you nick for joining yes Uh, and hopefully we'll we'll talk to you guys here in the next week or so uh because eric's got this is this is eric's time of year it's draft time so um, yeah, we'll be back with more draft coverage coming up soon. So thank you guys all, and we'll see you next time. Sounds great. See ya.